0: Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 205 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We are a podcast of science. And comedy. And so much ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better... I'll take your breath away and then return it. And in this episode, is much the better. Da-dum da-dum da-dum,
1: da-dum, 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 No more because we'll get... Flagged. We'll get... Yeah, yeah.
0: And I stop being so flat and become sparkling. <laughs> but before we get there, Gregoire, what happened to you this week in science?
1: What happened to all of us, Dan, in science is... You, asked, you brought up the fact that the Australian rover needed a name and yep. Yep. we weren't going to pick Colin because
0: that would be really no, bad what, for us. No, no, no. That's, that, was the, that was the crux was that we were uh, all mm, going to pick Colin mm, to support the podcast. Right. Not, not Yarram, the Indigenous warrior. Yeah, and no, because that was getting too much traction. Yes, that's right. Mm. And we want, so we we want we, our listeners supporting the podcast and not First Nations inhabitants of Australia and the sure, 65,000 sure. years of culture. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm, like, that's yes. a lot of inertia they have. <laughs> that's why they have all that power. Anyway,
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, the shortlist is here, Dan. So, drum roll, everyone. Here's the shortlist. The names are. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go from. I'm going to go from the one I hate the most, Ruva.
0: Coolamon.
1: H- hang on, hang on. Uh, let me just uh, stew on
0: Ruva for a moment. Ruva, yes,
1: that's- yes. Our lunar rover deserves to be named after something iconically Australian, reflecting the Aussie spirit as we launch into this new endeavour. A kangaroo is part of the Australian coat of arms, and it's time for Australian science to take the next leap all the way up into space. Rover,
0: Or you could call it e-moon. <sighs> Ooh. E- yeah, yeah, like, like the in Americans in say. E-moon.
1: Yeah. of a That'd be more of a um,
0: vaccine thing. Anyway. Ah, right. Yes. That's good. That's Thank good. Thank you. Thank you very much. So... Casa Th- wary of space travel. a Kas- wary <laughs> of space travel. Sure. There's Kulamon,
1: so capturing the essence of our indigenous culture and connection to the land. A Kulamon is a multi-purpose, sustainable tool used for gathering and carrying. There you go. Kakiri, translated from the Karina region in Adelaide, Kakiri means moon, and is a tribute to the history of Australia.
0: And finally... I, I, I'm against that. I, let's stop people coming up with dumb names for the moon when we already have one.
1: <laughs> These people, have, admittedly, they did call it Kikiri long before we called it Colin. Like like this is This is <laughs> my
0: point, Greg. We need to suppress this voice. God. Wow. Finally is... Mateship. No one else is going to suppress this voice. <sighs> uh,
1: uh, yeah.
0: The last the <laughs> for last the, one. For <laughs> listeners, a lot of eyes just rolled. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We just had a whole vote thing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. oh. Uh, get your shit together, Australia, for God's sakes. Anyway. Bunch mateship. of racist clowns. Mateship. <laughs> mateship is the name. The last one. From the spirit of the Anzacs to your mate at the local footy club, it's a crucial part of Australian culture. So we have Ruva, Kulamon, Kakiri,
0: and Mateship mateship so is mateship your favorite then no not no, at all because because you, you started at your least favorite and i then did and then i just went all
1: over the place i really dislike ruva i really dislike ruva
0: yes it sounds mateship, like a knockoff
1: vacuum cleaner <laughs>
0: it
1: does mateship i just find jingoistic as hell i find that so it's one of those the fair go australia and and yes i am an australian and i actually do Quite like my country, but I also am aware of its limitations. And the idea of the fair go mateship, I just don't
0: think is a real thing in the 21st century. I just, mm. Also, <laughs> if you tie a cape to the rover that mm. is the Australian flag, you have to get like wires to make it stick out the back. It's not going <laughs> to.
1: Oh, I'll have to get an Aussie Swazi tattooed on its uh, on one of its wheels, back wheels. So, for, the, for those who don't know what Aussie Swazi is, it's the uh, it's the Southern Cross tattoo for lots of
0: terrible reasons. Because uh, it on. looks because it's in the, it's, it's in the shape of a cross, mm. which is the Southern Cross. That's yes, the yep. star thing. But uh, like a, people who are like a little bit too jingoistic are the mm. type of people who get it, and those people tend to. Have a intersecting Venn diagram with people who like other sorts of crosses. Yeah. If you get my drift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. you'll excited. But also can, it's, how Australian is it that you can get the word, that one of those hideous words, swastika. Yes. And then yes. abbreviated to swazzy.
1: As I, like, as, I, as I said Ozzy not- Swazzy, I went, oh, I'm going to have to explain what that means. And then yeah. decided I was just going to gloss right over it. But Dan saw the horror in my yeah. eyes and decided to lean in.
0: Nicely done, Dan. Well, well done. it just, it needs so much. Like, it's, it's just yep. occurred to me because like, you abbreviate things that you're sort of, mm. that you kind of like, you're like, oh, this is my friend Darren, but we got yep. call him Dazza. Cause yeah. we're friends and mm. it's like, Oh, well, I've got a swastika, but I'm really fond of this swastika. <laughs> and so I call it a swazi. It's, it's like, mm. why are we doing that? Like that normalizes this horrible concept. It, you, yeah, it's I, just I, cause it I, rhymes yeah. with a stra- with Aussie. Yeah. Like if we were called os, os- ostrich sticker, we wouldn't have to. Ostriches. Oh, oh, that hurt. My yep. brain just seized up. It, it hurt us too, Dan. It's fine.
1: Yeah. All right, moving very quickly on from Nazism. So the last two... Oh, cool- if
0: only that were true.
1: <laughs> Kulamon and Kikiri. Between those two, I don't want it to be called Kikiri because it's very much... A, yes, it means moon, but also... It's, it's such too- a pointy word. Can't we call it baboba? <laughs> Well see, Kulamon, I think, works very well. Also it does. You can go, it's a bit it's a bit rounder, but also it's Kulamon. Ah, which hang on, I just I feel I just stepped into a, a dangerous yeah. accent territory. I, I, <laughs> I think Kulamon's going to win. My, there's my take on it.
0: I love that it picks stuff up and carries stuff with it. But also when I visualize the word, it's very close to Kulabar, which mm. is a type mm-hmm. which is a type of boxed wine. <laughs> it's also a
1: tree. It was a tree. Kulabar tree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before it was a box wine, it was a tree. The box wine is named after the tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right.
0: Wait, 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 wait. So we didn't get Yarram or Colin. Colin.
1: No, 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 we did not. No, no. Colin or Yarram, Rigged.
0: No. Rigged.
1: Okay. <laughs> Storm the capital. Don't say that. Oh, no. Anyway. Uh, yes. So there we go. <laughs> capital.
0: Imagine storming Parliament well, House in Canberra. You, well,
1: actually, I would to say you could, but you can't anymore because they put... But they put, um, fences up around it, which is, which I guess why. But originally, you were meant to be able to stand on top of the Capitol Parliament House so that you could get up there because you should be above the government. But they were like, yeah, we we don't mind you being above the government, but we don't want you putting, throwing bombs down (laughs) this. Unfortunately, you can't do the thing it was designed to do, which is sad. That was actually a cool thing to do. You could literally walk up
0: a grassy you could slope. Walk up the, it was just a grassy slope yeah. and then peer in through the glass yeah. and look at your elected leaders. Exactly right. it was such a great idea. But then someone went, if
1: you can peer, you can also peer through a sniper scope. Oh yeah, good point. Uh, anyway, uh, you can't vote on it, by the way. It closed on the first of December and we will know very soon. So we'll get back to you in future episodes of smarter than the better when we find out. Which one is chosen? I really hope it's not major or River. Please, please, Australia, please don't do that to me. Please. Hey, Dan,
0: how was your week in science? It was good. It was good. In Western Australia... Mm. There is an amazing natural phenomenon. It's called the Pink Lakes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you lived in Western Australia, but those Pink Lakes are, like, hard to get to. Did you ever have a crack at them? There are multiple Pink Lakes. There are Pink yep. Lakes There are Pink Lakes out on Rottnest
1: Island, so they're mm-hmm. very, very pink. But the ones you're talking about are far to the north, I think.
0: There are different- oh, they're, I, the one that I'm familiar with is... Deep, deep to the south. Oh, there you go. There, okay, there so. are multiple pink lakes. I did travel, I'm trying to remember, uh, down, where are they again? Like oh, Albany uh,
1: way? Like down the bottom that way or further out? I don't like know the names. Oh, like my God. My,
0: my concept of Western Australia yep. is two-thirds of the way down on the coast is Perth. Right. One-third of the way down on the coast is Broome. North of Broome is just islands riddled with crocodiles. And anything south of Perth is just cliff face. <laughs> And there what? is a pink, if you follow it all the way along, just before you get into South Australia, there's oh, like okay. a pink lake. Yes. So you're talking about the ones near Esperance. They're, yes, okay, got it. Alright, Esperance I, is again, <laughs> I Again, I do not acknowledge that there are people living in townships anywhere else in Western Australia. Well,
1: you should know about Esperance. Esperance is named after a French ship that ran aground. The Esperance was a French vessel that ran aground and they hauled up on the beach and repaired their boat on the beautiful beaches of what are now called Esperance and the town was named after that French ship. As a person married to the entire French nation, you should know this.
0: Uh, you've really dropped me in at this, (laughs) son. I'm going to ring the frog princess immediately. Uh, oh, yeah, Esperance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm sorry, yeah. I thought I misheard. Yeah, Esperance. Yeah, it's bad. Sorry, we've got a bad connection here. Oh, yes, sure. of course, Esperance. Es- it's the capital of Western Australia, right? Sure, sure. Right.
1: Anyway, the Pink Lakes near yeah, Esperance. Those
0: oh, yes. Those ones. So these lakes, a handful of these lakes contain a type of algae that thrives in high salinity, and they take on a pigment called beta carotene. Under the right conditions, this gives the lake a vibrant bubblegum pink color. It is, it is it quite is very, a rare phenomenon. It is
1: very pink, by the way. It is pink very in a very pink. It's pink bubblegum in a bubblegum pink.
0: It's when you see it, you're
1: like, "That's a glitch in the matrix. That can't be that pink in
0: the, yeah. in the wild." Now, it's quite a rare phenomenon. Even these. Famous pink lakes mm. are not pink all year round. It's like a, a rare occurrence. And you'd be lucky to experience it. Well, it turns out, Gregoire, I am one lucky dude because I was staying at Nudgy Beach in Brisbane when this event happened there for the first time. Ugh. But oh. the alg in question is not known for existing anywhere near here. <laughs> So this wasn't this last week, this was a month or so ago, and scientists have finally confirmed what happened. Was it a lake or was it, it a... It was not a whole lake, oh, okay. it was the yeah. very top part of a wetlands area yep. that didn't have a lot of water in it. Right. Like, it, it was quite a dry period. Right, But yep. there are little, little pools right at the top of this wetland, which turned bright, vivid pink. So Dr. Glenn McGregor from the Department of Environment and Science said they analysed the water to try to establish what was going on. Initially, they thought it was a microbe that can wash up on beaches during high tides. Mm. They did tests and realised it was not what they thought and they had to do genetic sequencing. They established the microbe belongs to the genus Rhodovulum and this is the first time it's been found in Southeast Queensland. It was originally limited to mudflats in the Netherlands, Ooh. but can now be found all over the world thank you global infrastructure well, i mean sure that's that's definitely definitely true
1: i wonder netherlands because the dutch wa the dutch there's a whole thing there there's a, the dutch got to like they were the first europeans to wash up on the on the whole continent of australia at on the wa side so i wonder if they accidentally brought that with them then i i really don't know the answers were there pink lakes before 16 uh, 60-something, 1670-something, when Dirk Hartog crashed into the Western Australian coast. Like, huh. I, I've never asked, is there Indigenous knowledge of that time where they're like, holy crap, our lakes just turned pink. What the hell is going
0: on here? Like, That's that- a good question because I don't, I don't think that this pink lake is exactly the same microbe as the, the pink lakes in Western Australia. Oh, right, okay, right, right, right. But okay. there might be something to that. I, I, I'm going to have to look that up now. That's mm. really interesting. Yeah,
1: there you go. If someone knows, if you know listeners, please let us know. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. yeah I wonder. Now, I, sus- I suspect it is not a coincidence that this occurred only a few kilometres from the Brisbane port. Mm.
1: <laughs> mm. All those filthy sailors doing their filthy sailor things in the water. Ugh. Yeah. Sexy, yeah. sexy sailors lifting heavy it, things, mm. it, sweating turn, in the
0: sun. You've turned my pond pink. <laughs> so... At any rate, we've yeah. had very little rain this winter. The wetlands are already quite salty and these pools are right up the top. So they don't get tidally replaced very often at all. Uh, the pools become hyper saline, providing the perfect conditions for these microbes and making it hard for other microbes to compete against them. Mm. Uh, and you can almost see where they are competing because there's like the, the, the water is like this thick, almost viscous pink. But it's so still, and then you see this, like, black algae, like, streams or tendrils of black algae sort of pushing their way in but not making it very far. And if you get down on your knees and listen, you can hear this. And the algae's like, kill each other,
1: kill, kill. And it's like, use the environment, the saline, the salty environment to kill them. Sir, it's not salty enough. Oh, nature, why have you
0: forsaken our pickness? And then they're like, ah, they're coming in. Oh, love it. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, it's so good. But the result is that the water ends up looking like a pink milkshake. Uh, but let me assure the listeners, it does not smell like one. Or taste. <laughs> or apro of nothing. I've lost all the feeling down my left-hand side. <laughs> Scott wrote in to say, Dan, please stop flirting with my wife. How am I... S- no, sorry, that's the wrong, <laughs> wrong email. That, sorry, yes. Scott wrote in to say... I live in an apartment and Mm. have no green space to offset my living area. Mm. How many slash what sort of plants do I need to grow to offset my breathing requirements? (laughs) Is that not a great question? I mean, my first question is, can you just limit your
1: breathing? Could you just go, I'm only going to breathe every second breath (sighs) and learn how to chain your body to survive on less oxygen, like people going into uh, higher altitude environments have to do, like go rock climbing.
0: Now, are they training themselves to survive on less oxygen in total or are they training themselves to breathe more often in order to get more oxygen out of the thinner air?
1: I think it's you are climatized because there's less oxygen in the air. I don't think they are hyperventilating. I think there's less oxygen per volume of breath. Hmm. I don't think they're breathing more. I think it's getting your body used to not having access to the abundance of 23%
0: oxygen at sea level, roughly, whatever it is. Well, what I do know is that Scott's apartment is at about sea level. Ah, but that, he could still take less breaths,
1: and therefore he would have have less access to oxygen per breath. Fewer, well,
0: fewer breaths. Yes, that's right. <gasps> fewer. <laughs> oh my goodness, thank you. Just, I, I know that there are listeners who just had the same reaction as me, and I just want to cut them off at the pass.
1: <laughs> Wait, hang on. No, less. No, fewer breaths. Less access yes. to
0: oxygen because it's a yeah. percentage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. 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 Yeah. Cool. All right. Good. Okay, now for most people, I'd say to simply open a window, but Scott mm. lives in the central business district, so that mm. is not an option. Mm. Next to the party zones of Brisbane, so
1: it's kind of like, oh, Saturday night, that'll be a hole. Mm. That'll so be, be a smelly. Smells. Yeah, they'd be like, you, you hear a lot of people, all the people yelling to each other, all the sailors going, you made,
0: <laughs> you made my port pink. I, I can smell the youth. <laughs> It's
1: the stem Not cells. You're, you're craving them. That's what it is.
0: You're like, mm. <laughs> Let me crack open your marrow. All right. Hold tight, listeners, because there are some measurements going on here. Mm. We don't need to concentrate too hard, but I want us all to be imagining the same sort of units. And I know that Scott likes some high fantasy. So I want you to imagine a golem, a big monster made out of blocks of clay. It's about two metres tall, its hands are big and chunky and its feet are big cubes that are like, I don't know, uh, 30.48 centimetres across. Now, let's say that Scott's apartment is 5,000 of these cubic feet and that the room room is airtight, nothing (laughs) gets in or out. Mm, mm. He inhales and exhales about a quarter of a cubic foot. 20% of the air is going to be oxygen. Are you shaking your head, Greg? Fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Great, great. I love it when I can justify bullshit. (laughs) A human being at rest uses about 550 litres of oxygen per day, so about 19 cubic feet. If they exercise, they use even more, meaning Scott will use about 19 cubic feet. Yep, okay. His pretty wife will also use the same amount, So if that oxygen could congregate around their mouths, they would use up all the oxygen in about 131 days. They could double that if his pretty wife found someone else to stay with. Yeah. Of course, that oxygen would instead get thinner and thinner. And at 16% oxygen, you start acting real goofy, forgetting stuff, getting short of breath, deciding not to turn back to Everest base camp. Real goofy. (laughs) At 6% oxygen, you aren't getting enough oxygen to function. Mm-hmm. So our challenge here is to find enough plants to replace the oxygen that Scott uses up each day. What if we were to put a lawn in there? Touch grass every day. <laughs> great great for Scott's mental well-being, especially valuable since his wife has left him for some charismatic local podcaster. <laughs> Grass isn't great, however, for oxygen production. (coughs) In fact, it takes in a tiny bit of CO2 and releases a tiny bit of oxygen, and then when it dies, it releases all that CO2 as it decays. So we need a better plant. Let's try the Boston fern. Hmm. It provides more oxygen than any other plant. An average Boston fern will produce just under a litre of oxygen every day. The carbon that it takes from the air will be stored in its mass. Scott will need about 611 Boston ferns to replace his oxygen. Mm -hmm. He's still going to need food. He'll eat that food and turn that into energy, burning oxygen as he does so. This turns stored energy into carbon dioxide in the air. The plant takes the carbon from there and stores it in its mass. Scott then needs to trim those ferns and remove that mass from his apartment before it decays. Now eventually Scott will asphyxiate because what he doesn't realize is that there's now something else in his apartment is using up some of his oxygen. All of Scott's plants are in soil. He needs to make sure that they are all getting enough sunlight, but they also need microbes in their soil to be healthy. Mm -hmm. These microbes need oxygen too. In fact, it might be in both the plants and the microbes' best interests if Scott wasn't part of the system. (laughs) It's getting dark. Now getting dark. Now you could eliminate this drain by growing the plants hydroponically. Some plants don't grow well without soil. Tall plants like corn prefer a substance to embed their feet, but ferns are perfect for this. Mm-hmm. So Scott could build a hydroponic wall with six hundred and eleven Boston ferns. So that's one solution. Yep. Okay. good. It, it would look. It would look like dinosaurs were oh, like. Yes. Oh in yes, the area, yes. Yes.
1: Which not, is I'm, not a negative. That's no, not no, a con.
0: Yeah. Okay, but there might be a better solution, and that solution is a solution of water and chlorella algae. Oh, I was
1: going to say algae. I was going to say put algae in the walls. Algae in the walls. We all love algae. Too, put, too I, late, Greg. Uh, I
0: got there before you. Duh, but I, was, I didn't want to cut you yeah, off. you're just copying off me. Yeah, no, oh, yeah no, no, I knew I, everything you were telling me too.
1: No, no, I i did think algae. I just was, oh,
0: okay, nah, fine, fine. Well, it's a good answer. You didn't ask me. You didn't ask me, Dan. huh. Oh. Tell us more about chlorella algae, then.
1: No, no, I I don't want to stand on your... uh,
0: Oh, that's very kind of you.
1: (laughs) I didn't say I knew it. I just said I thought algae (laughs) would be the
0: answer. Oh, my goodness. The BIOS-3 facility in Siberia was a sealed 315-metre-square habitat, which is just over 11,000 golem feet. (laughs) It was used in the 1970s to research exactly this. The system used tanks of chlorella algae rather than plants, and eight square metres of exposed chlorella was enough to maintain a balance of CO2 and O2 for one person. The longest experiment in BIOS 3 was with a three-man crew for 180 days. So Scott needs to install a three-metre by three-metre pond and probably a skylight, and he can live out his dreams of never breathing anyone else's air ever again. As a wonderful plus, you can actually eat chlorella. Ooh. In fact, scientists in the past predicted it would become one of the most common sources of protein as the world ran out of agricultural space. You can buy it in health stores as a nutritional supplement, and it has been suggested that it can reduce cholesterol and cure cancer, oh. but only by charlatans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, however, high in protein. In fact, you may have tried it yourself, Gregoire. Mm-hmm. You experimented with making your own Soylent I did. once, didn't you? I did. Now, many, can many you tell us a bit ago. about Soylent.
1: Uh, the idea was to take away all food from my diet and only have a milkshake-like thing. Perfectly that, balanced yes, with
0: vitamins. That's exactly
1: and right. Your minerals, everything you need in one shake a day. I didn't buy the product I went online and researched uh, how to make versions. People, it's been going on for ages. I stopped very quickly after about two weeks because, by God, it was the worst thing I ever did in my life. And people were like, oh, I had this colouring and flavouring, and it didn't help. It was just I had to choke down this horrible nonsense, and it wasn't worth doing. So,
0: as I recall, the big thing was that you're a vegetarian. Yes, and so rather than get the protein powder, the normal protein powder, you went for the vegan protein powder. Yes, yes, that's yeah. So, well, yeah, that's right.
1: But go, yes, go on, go on. And, and was it delicious, Greg? Wilder? No, it was terrible. It was shocking, and I hated it. So, yes, yes. yes. Yep. In fact, it tasted like shit. It did.
0: It was absolutely awful. Yes. <sighs> Speaking of shit, you could also use chlorella algae to purify sewage. Right. Right. It can, it can remove both nitrogen and phosphorus from wastewater. So there you go. Scott needs a three-by-three-meter pool for himself or a three-by-six-meter pool if he's sharing his space with his wife, which won't be an issue if she arrives home to find him shitting into an eating sludge from a sudden mysterious indoor pond. <laughs> or he could crack a window and the air in his apartment could turn over by about 80% per hour. It's hard. It's one of those things, once again, you think about your impact and you go,
1: how can I mitigate the impact on the, because it's a good thing to think about, you know, how many earths is required to maintain my ridiculously extravagant lifestyle? And there's websites you can go onto and you can punch all the numbers in and they can say, if your energy budget was the same, you would have run out on like the 24th of April if you start on Mm. the 1st of January. Well, that's the stuff. I love it. But this stuff makes me realize or shows once again, how much as one individual, you can't make a massive difference. It requires collective effort it's the collective effort of a of a species that makes a difference because as you said it becomes almost impossible to get rid of the carbon dioxide and have the oxygen that you require in your local space but it's not impossible for us to do it as a group of people by by protecting the rainforests or planting trees or whatever we're doing like right? whatever we decide Capturing carbon capture or whatever madness yes what a
0: what a stupid thing carbon capture is it like no, it's yeah. like, well, what we do is we burn all this wood, but then we get all the charcoal is left, and we turn it back into wood. How do you turn it back into wood? Oh, we use a bunch of electricity to turn it back into wood, and where do you get the electricity from? Oh, we just burn more fucking wood. Oh no,
1: damn! But the, but there's a thing called solar power, which is free electricity. So
0: then just use that and stop burning the wood. Oh,
1: yeah, no, no. <laughs>
0: Yes. You just said, oh, no, we're no, going t- to have a hydrogen-run future. <laughs> no, no, we have a no, hydrogen-run no,
1: future. No. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, but I think there are two different points there. One is how should we power our society, maybe use the big fusion reactor in the sky that gets us unlimited free energy. The other point is how do we reduce the carbon that's in our atmosphere and carbon capture. I'm not talking about powering our civilization. I'm talking about Capturing the carbon from the atmosphere—it's too much carbon in the atmosphere. It's 400 and 470 maybe parts per million. It's too high. So that's what
0: carbon capture means to me. That's what I'm talking about, carbon capture. Yeah, but you use you use your solar power and mm. you capture the carbon and mm. you bury the carbon mm. underground, and you're not using that solar power yes. to power something else. But which should... <laughs> but they're just digging coal out of the ground well, no, and putting yeah. more. Ca- it's she- a It's unlimited. There's one one watt
1: of electricity per square metre on this planet. There's a lot of electricity out there, more than we could ever use. We could run our entire civilization on solar power if we... Even that's taking into account 60% loss. We should get Dr. Joel back on. He knows much more about this than we do, of course. That's true. But we can run it with solar power. It can be done. It's infrastructure. It'll cost a bomb. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, it'll be cheap and it'll be easy. And there will be problems with making
0: panels because they do have materials in them which aren't the best, but... There's always research going on. There's always really interesting stuff happening yeah. with... There, there's a... Keep waiting uh, for fusion. There, Stop waiting for a, fusion. There's a YouTube channel called Undecided with, I think his name's Matt Farrell. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. Okay. It's a great YouTube channel all about this sort of stuff. It's wonderful. Cool.
1: All right. I love to hear it. Yes. Thank you, Scott, for your question. That's a great question. Just do your best, buddy. Do your best. That's, what, that's all we can do in this world is is do our best. Yeah. And say
0: hi to that wife of yours. <laughs> Oh no!
1: Diamonds. I've heard they're a girl's best friend, and they're forever. And they're forever. I've also heard that. That is, we'll get back to that.
0: Actually, put a pin in that, Dan. We're going to get back to that little saying. But, they're very hard, but they're not very tough.
1: Well, they can be. They're you very can hard. Scratch yeah.
0: stuff. Yes. Yes, But they're, you can still shatter them if you hit yes. it with a hammer. Yeah, the difference between hardness, hardness
1: and brittleness, they can be brittle. Yes, that's right. You can smash them. Well, you can cut them. People do well, cut there's a them.
0: relationship between it. Like mm-hmm. if something's really hard, then it has no give, and the more give it has, the more robust it no, is.
1: No, not necessarily. You can have hard, tough things, and you can have brittle, hard things, It's not necessarily you have one. It's not like frequency and wavelength, you know, in light. It's not necessarily. um, Yeah. So, but yes, yeah. But but we're here to talk about diamonds. I was. I was. You see people have diamonds and they wear them and, you know, the industrial diamonds. One, we think it was industrial diamonds, actually. Nowadays, we're getting much better at making industrial diamonds, using them for cutting things. I found out recently from my little Plastic Men hobby stuff that there are very expensive diamond-tipped tools I could go buy, which are little tiny
0: shards of diamond to cut things, and they're very expensive. Are all your little dudes in a little plastic rack pinned in and you have to snip them out? Yes, yes, that's right. Or you do, you want to cut them up and that sort
1: of stuff. So it's really just a, a clippers, just very expensive clippers and knives and things. So, you know, carbon-based mm. ones and diamond-based ones. Well, it is carbon. Anyway, this not this just made me think of it. I saw a story when I was looking into this stuff about there are pink diamonds. So I was like, oh, pink diamonds? That's really interesting. And I was mm. like, well, yeah, so hang on. So what's a pink diamond? And it It's got diamond, algae in it. It, 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 it. Energy. It's got salty <laughs> algae. <laughs> Well, that was. I was wondering, is it an impurity? Exactly what I was thinking. Well, I went, well, start up. Let's start off. Why is a diamond transparent? Because di- diamonds are carbon. Yeah, graphite, it, like pencil lead, isn't transparent. Exactly, coal isn't transparent. So, no. why is diamond transparent? It comes down to the structure of it. When you make a diamond, when a diamond is made under pressure and heat, the carbon is put into a lattice, a lattice-like shape, and like we talked about, is with-
0: it dodecahedrons or something?
1: The lattice. That I the don't dime? know. I didn't. It just in a lattice. It just said in a lattice, but I didn't see the shape of the lattice. No, that wouldn't
0: work, would it? It would have to be a tessellating lattice of some sort. Well, I know graphite has but, plates that are, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I'd
1: have to look it. Up. I'm sorry, I don't know. I would have to look it up. The what the shape of the the recurring lattice is, but it's a, it's a regular lattice and it's so extremely regular and light can just go straight through, so it doesn't scatter the light. It just the light just goes through. Therefore, it's transparent. So the light hmm. doesn't interact with, you get a clear thing. It's like a window, like your, your atoms goes through the window. We've talked about windows a long time ago, actually, uh, transparent things. That, so you get a transparent diamond, and that's really cool. If you get nitrogen in it, you get yellow diamond. Mm. If you put boron impurities into the lattice, it turns blue. Mm-hmm. So that's a different colour.
0: Which is the one
1: that makes Superman evil? That's, is that red diamonds? Is that red? Yeah. So green makes him weak and red makes him <laughs> But yes, there's, but pink diamonds are different. Pink diamonds aren't the same. Because I think, oh, what's the impurity for pink diamonds?
0: Pink diamonds have nothing to Marvel. do with impurities. I found it really interesting. You just rub it on a on a lady that you're in love with, and it turns pink. <laughs> it, it's yes, mm.
1: it's it actually it's in its formation. Or a sailor,
0: it's yes.
1: My port's pink as is this diamond. I will marry you if the diamond is very deep underground. Very, very hmm. deep, and you know, very, so even more than you know, the, what made it a diamond. If it keeps going deeper or the pressure gets higher and the temperature gets higher, it, the lattice will start to deform. And it's the deformation of the lattice that causes the pink colour because it starts absorbing wow. blue wavelengths of light, therefore letting more reddish wavelengths of light come through, which we perceive as this vague pink colour. The more it's compressed, the
0: more the lattice is distorted, the more red it becomes. So the lattice gets distorted in a way that's like small enough to block one wavelength of light, yes, but not small enough to block the other wavelength of light,
1: yes. Because you, uh, I, I was trying to work that out because blue light has a very high frequency, longer wavelengths. So red light has is the opposite; it's, it's shorter. So longer yeah. wavelength, um, uh, longer frequency. Uh, so higher frequency, not longer frequency, higher frequency. So it blocks the blue light first. So is that right? hang on, I've got the wrong right way. Hang on. Yes, so it blocks the blue light first. I feel I've got that backwards somehow in my head. Oh, anyway, it blocks the blue light first anyway. So the light is blocked and you get a, a pinkish thing. And the further it goes down, the more pinky red it becomes. And in the end, you get brown diamonds, like the, before it melts and stops being, you know, goes back, you can't handle it. It can actually get brown mm. diamonds because it's blocking most of the light. But they have to be really, 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 really deep in the in the earth and their form
0: to, to all get distorted by the pressure. And that gives us knowledge about when they get... I guess women must be like... Women who want a, a really impressive wedding ring would get the one that's hardest to get. Like, surely the brown diamonds are the ones that are the most desired. Well, no, normally it's clarity. That's a, good, that's a good question. We may get back to that a little bit later, actually, talking about clarity. and Because a, a completely clear diamond, that's boring. Mm. You make that in a lab. But one that you have to go kilometres underground? Like all these ladies at their weddings would be like, oh, my God, he got me a brown diamond. They're, they're pretty rare. That's, that's a good point. I, I guess it's not, if it's not pretty, maybe there's a... I wonder if there's like a level of pinkness.
1: You get, oh, I get a lovely pink diamond, and therefore they love me more then the joke you can make is, is that from the blood, from the blood diamond? And they everyone laughs and uh, and then looks a bit uncomfortable. Is the brown diamond called the poop diamond? <laughs> we call it the pinched coil diamond. All right. So this made me think about other gems as well. So we, we have mm. diamonds, transparent because of their lattice. They become pink or they become red or yellow due to impurities, pink due to their, uh, uh, the, the distortion of the lattice. So what about things like rubies and sapphires? So... Hmm. Rubies and sapphires are made from the
0: same thing. It's something that's called corundum. So and corundum is aluminium oxide. Oh right. So, this, so it's it's, so it's a different so a diamond is made of carbon yep. and rubies are made of aluminium. A, a, aluminium oxide, yes. And so are sapphires. So rubies and sapphires wow. are the same thing. But they're they're very different colours. Well, well,
1: what would you consider? What you, when I say ruby, what do you picture in your head? Red. Red. And what when, when right. sapphire? red. And what do you think sapphire, what do you think of? Oh, I almost screwed up. Uh, really light blue? Yeah, blue. I would say blue, yeah. I'm a colorblind man, so I'm just going to go, sure, whatever. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So the differences in colour comes from trace impurities. So rubies owe their red colour to chromium while sapphires come in various colours depending on the impurities such as iron, titanium, or also chromium as well. The crystalline structure of corundum allows light to pass through with minimal scattering, giving rubies and sapphires transparency. So they're transparent like diamonds, but they are different colours due to the impurities that are found inside them. So really, a ruby or a sapphire are the same
0: thing, really, just a different mm. colour. All right. I'm recognising some of these relationships from Factorio mods. <laughs> so... I'm like, oh so I can mix this and that and get chromium, but I can also pull rubies out of this as well. <laughs> That's amazing. So I'm learning stuff. So emeralds. What do you think of emeralds, what do you think of? Green. Green, well done. Just like the eyes of my love and underneath where I kissed her under the Blarney stone. Emerald Isles. Oh no, I and I, right? I, I, I see, no, I'm I got it. I just was I was like Oof. Pretty, pretty good accent. God. Pretty good and respectful accent. Yeah, I just one of our listeners is now just writing a very angry email to us. Isn't he more likely to write it on a brick and then throw it? That's not... No, a, no. What are you, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so it's... That joke's 40 years yeah, I know. too late. And,
1: and also very bad taste. So sapphires and rubies were aluminium oxide. Emeralds are aluminium yep. silicate. So beryllium aluminium silicate. So still a lot of aluminium, a lot of aluminium going on here, which is great. Or aluminium for our less educated uh, members of our listenership. Oh, sorry, uh, that's mean. Words are different. You
0: just you just call me out for the for the island stuff, and you're like, oh no, it's all right. They're a superpower. Don't worry about them. They're punching us.
1: So yeah. the characteristic green color of emeralds comes from trace amounts of chromium and sometimes vandium. So once again, you get trace. Yeah, it's, and, and it's also it's trace funny how
0: just the tiny littlest thing changes the whole thing. Like if you were cooking and you put an ingredient in and the whole dish went a, a color that none of the ingredients are, <laughs> yeah. like luminous, you'd be like, what happened here? I guess that's chemistry, isn't it? Yeah. That's- <laughs> Chemists are like, uh, yeah, that's what, yeah that's color's what- <laughs> bullshit. You just add stuff and everything changes.
1: It's very true. I was interested in opals and opals aren't a gemstone, really. Like they're not. So opals it's are a ve- sea creature or something, aren't
0: they? Or-
1: no, that's pearls. So opals are found in the ground. Chalk. I'm thinking of chalk. Yeah, chalk. <laughs> Cooper. P- beautiful gem chalk. chalk. Well no, pearls are found in oysters. That's a
0: that's a man that's well, a man made yes. that's an oyster made thing, an irritant sand irritant. And mother of pearl is also from oysters. That's Yeah. That's where I got confused. Mother of pearl is the iridescent shell of ah. the oyster, and nothing to do with a real, with like with an opal. Ah. even though it looks opal-like, nothing like a pearl.
1: Oh, I see. But it's iridescent. Yes. Uh, well, pearls do have an iridescent sheen to them as well. That's that's same yeah, as yeah. They,
0: re- like, they look weirdly biological. Yeah, because they are. Oh, pearls. No, are wait. Pearls, not pearls. Pearls. Pearls are <clears throat> biological.
1: Opals are not.
0: P- per- opals. Pearls are little white things inside the clam. Yes. Oyster. Oyster. Or clams. and then the shell—the shell of some oysters—is yep. mother of pearl, sure. which is iridescent. Yes, and its iridescence looks a little bit like opal. Right, pearls also have an iridescence kind of sheen to them.
1: Real opals, but well, real opals—goodness me! Real pearls also have a, a mm. kind of that look to them. We just see
0: fake ones all the time. This is true. This is true. But the but the the, the mother of pearl yes. tends to look Very a lot more like an
1: opal. Much more. I see what you're saying. There. Yes. Okay. So right, but we're well, talking opals. Opals are, opals are not biological.
0: Opals, they're not biological no, at all, no, so I don't no. know
1: where I got that no, from. no, it's fine. It's okay. I got confused. So opals are formed by layers like little, not rings, they'd be spheres of silicate and water building up in the ground. So layer upon layer oh upon layer wow. building up. And it's the, structure. so it could
0: still be biological. No, if it's, it's silicon. No,
1: it's no, no, stop. No, not at all. Not in any way, shape or no, form. So no. the, the color play in opals is due to the diffraction of light as it passes through the gaps between the silicate spheres, creating a spectrum of colors that change with the view of the angle. So it's diffracting light through the different spheres. They're very, very thin. So it's mm. light gets diffracted and you get this like iridescente Opal color, so cool. you
0: so you get little silicon sp- spheres inside water, and then they in the ground o- you the get the sil- water
1: silicate. You get gets mixes of silicate and water spheres that build mm. on top of each other, harden, and then one builds on top of the other,
0: and they're very, 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 very thin. So, is the water still locked in an opal, or is it dries out and it leaves the opal? That's a good question. Hmm. Because in Zelda, opals are a water based weapon.
1: I would say the water's still in there. It's trapped inside in tiny, not not
0: like gushing out.
1: Oh my goodness. Suck out. It's the, not
0: wet. No, no, it's no. Just it's yes. Water molecules yes. tied to silicon molecules. Sil- you know, yes, that's right. Way. Yes, yes, exactly. That
1: that's my guess. But I am not. You, I'm happy to be wrong there. But I think I think like that's if great. you
0: were parched in the desert, you couldn't put an opal in your mouth and like suck the moisture out. It might make you feel better. Yeah. It's, it's, I did hear I did hear if you put a coin under your tongue it makes you salivate more and it if you're parched it sort of alleviates that but I then mean, you're just that, losing more water so why would you Well you're not losing water but you're still you just you're drinking your own moisture mm. and so it and, and your body is still like must drink water but it's a way of sort of getting past that so. Sure we we'll have to check into that that seems odd Oh, it's from, a, it's from an adventure book from the 50s <laughs> or something that I read. So They also talked about oppressing natives. So, you know, just not... Yeah, nothing in that no, is canon. No.
1: Don't, yeah. What I really liked about all the study I've done about into this is by looking at the sort of gemstones you get in an area, you can really find out the geological makeup of the area because for certain things to happen... Diamonds form deep within the Earth's mantle and under extreme pressure and temperature conditions. They're brought to the surface through volcanic eruptions. So studying diamonds gives geologists clues about conditions deep within the Earth. So you can go, oh, based on the colour of the diamond, you can work out, well, where it was formed and what's forming in that sort of area as well, which is kind of cool.
0: This, I found this really so interesting. So diamonds, are diamonds biological then? No, no, no. coal is... Isn't if you crushed coal? Isn't the idea that if you crush coal, you get a diamond? Like the carbon in a That's sounds like a biological
1: coal was coal was laid down with carboniferous Carboniferous forests died, and Mm. got compressed into the coal got, got. into
0: coal. So the so, so the tree was biological. Yes. And the and when it was is the coal biological? No. No, no. It's coal that's like saying sort of,
1: that's no, I don't think so. I think it's like saying it's it's the leftover bit of it. It's coal. It's it's carbon. It's just the carbon that's left over. Co-
0: so coal is what's left after it stops being biological. Yes. I think so. Huh. Yeah.
1: I, that's how I would look at it um uh, i don't think it's biological it, in, in a term that it wasn't a biological process that made it it was a biological thing that had a geological process that happened to it that turned it into yeah. coal that's that's my take on it i don't see it as biological hmm. but not all carbon has to be made that way when ca- carbon is a thing in the universe it's, it's generated yep. in stars so a carbon and a diamond may have been well we talked about it before diamonds in supernova you get massive explosions, and carbon gets blasted out in the form of diamonds that fly through the universe. Now, I don't think that... Aren't there like planets that are diamonds? The idea that a star that dies, like our sun when it dies, it won't explode. It's too small. It will turn into a white dwarf. So it's a dead star made basically of carbon and oxygen at that point, and it will cool down over trillions and trillions of years. And the, the amount of pressure, and it will basically be a diamond. So in the end, the universe will be full of these giant... Hundreds of kilometers, hundreds of kilometers, yeah, across diamonds in the sky. So, we can- so Lucy, so, so,
0: so they really are forever. They they will be they will be forever. Yeah, sapphires
1: talk about plate tectonics. P- purple or blue, a or- uh, blue one. Sapphires mainly. Blue. So the presence and distribution of gemstones like sapphires are often closely linked to tectonic activity. For instance, the movement of the Earth's plates can trap minerals in certain locations leading to the formation of gemstone deposits. Analyzing these deposits can give offering insights into the past geological events. So around plate tectonics, you'll get more sapphires, And here's the really interesting one. Talking about biological stuff, emeralds. Emeralds are formed in hydrothermal processes, such as hydrothermal veins, hydrothermal vents. The conditions under which these veins form tell a story about the Earth's hydrothermal processes, an interaction between water and minerals at high temperature and pressures. So when you find emeralds, you can say, well, we know this process is happening here. And then they get brought up to the surface. It's They're really good diagnostics for what's going
0: on inside the Earth, which is cool. Oh, wow. So all these geologists are like looking at the ground and going, green lights, green lights, red lights. Basically. Blue lights. Yes. Like, it, 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 oh, geology's easy. Right at the start, we
1: started talking a little bit about, what well, we meant to comment, diamonds are forever, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Mm. All my work into gemstones, studying to gemstones made me go, well, where does, does that come from? If you had to buy your beloved wife to be, husband to be, person to be, a diamond. How much of your salary would you have? You been told you should spend on a diamond. I heard four months. There, you, I, yep. I've heard something similar. Three months, four months. Listeners, have you have you heard similar something similar? It's sort of in the zeitgeist. So I wanted to look up where that came from. Why do we think this? Because. And why are diamonds more expensive? And this leads us into a very interesting part, a little company called Mm. De Beers. Hi, everyone. Yeah. De Beers. De Beers controls pretty much all the diamonds in the world, more than 90% of all the diamonds in the world. They were an African company, but not run by African people, of course. And they very early moved into Africa when diamonds were just first discovered and bought or ran out of town. Everyone who was digging up diamonds, they would walk up to people and say, hey, you found diamonds, great, we'll buy it. And they would buy them for really, their plot for really good money. They would say, how many diamonds do you think you can get out of this plot? A million dollars, cool. Here's $2 million, piss off. And they would go, oh, and and some, and some they say, yes, that's great. So they weren't trying to screw them, Well, they were, but they were, they were giving good prices to begin with. And then yeah. they would, if you said no, then the militia would turn up and accidentally wreck your ship. They were allowed to do a lot of really crazy stuff. So they took over and... They managed to take over all over everywhere that was sold diamonds, and that's why diamond prices are so high. Because diamonds are really common, and we can make them. They're mm-hmm. not worth nothing. They're worth nothing, and it's we have this weird idea. So it all comes down to one company, as per, as it should as it should. And it's changing though. Oh, so so many crazy things, Dan. So many crazy things. Americans went, oh no, you can't you can't have monopolies of the beers in our country. So you can't sell in. De- De Beers diamonds in our country. So De Beers, but that's fine. So they just sold to people outside of America who then sold it into America. So they just, Uh, and what they said to these companies were you have to buy so many, so many dollars worth of diamonds from us every year. You have to, we don't care if you're doing badly or well, you have to buy them. If you choose not to, then we will never sell to you again. They just told people you will buy a million dollars of the diamonds office or whatever absolute
0: con job. It's a
1: a, total con job. Hey, let's talk about the three-month salary. So it's popularized by De Beers in the mid-20th century as part of a broader marketing strategy to equate diamonds with love and commitment. They just made an advertising campaign that said it was three-month salary because then it wasn't an Mm -hmm. amount of money. If you're poor, you get a smaller diamond. If you're rich, you get a bigger diamond. It's all about three months salary. And here's the other point. So that's an irritates me. That made me angry. And then diamonds are a girl's best friend and diamonds are forever. Yes, it's a clever idea that it's hard to get rid of a diamond, but more to the point, they were trying to tell women who mainly had diamonds on their fingers not to sell them secondary markets. Right. Hold on to your diamond. Because if you have a secondary market for diamonds, it lowers the price of diamonds. So diamonds are forever. Mm. If you sell your diamond, you don't love your husband. It's bullshit, Dan. It's such bullshit. And now they're trying to make it go. Di- there are diamonds now that are more perfect made in labs. Just perfect diamonds. They used to go clarity of diamonds. Oh, well, a fake diamond isn't very clear. Now we can make diamonds in a lab that are totally clear, perfect, yeah, flawless. And now what they say is, oh, it's the flaws that make it valuable. Yes. But not too many flaws, but enough flaws. Where to be is we understand the difference. Anyway, I'm all angry as you can tell. It really irritated yeah. me. Oh.
0: This relates to the sketch that we did several years ago, the uh, certificate of uh, dead miners Yes. <laughs> that came with the diamond. Yes. Like, well, it comes with a certificate of the the blood, the person who bled for this diamond. Yes. Otherwise, it's just made in a lab. What's nice though is in Australia, basically a lot of diamonds
1: are in Africa. That's just where they kind mm-hmm. went. But in Australia, we've discovered them now as well. We're discovering diamonds. And due to the Australian laws, the beers came and went, Hey, we'd love to take over. And Australia told them to get knotted for monopoly reasons. So there are now people who can sell diamonds that are not. De Beers diamonds, but they still are a very small percentage compared to De Beers, the monopoly. But there are places around the world discovering diamonds, deep diamonds. Mm. And I'm hoping that we'll slowly break the back of diamonds. Or just don't buy a diamond, everyone. Yeah. Don't do it. You know what's really valuable? Rock some space. Calc. Rock some space. Oh. Buy a rock from space. That's a that's a thing that no one can mine. You have to just find them, and they're really expensive. And you can make them pretty,
0: and they're great. Just uh, anyway. So one of my most treasured items that my wife gave me was a trilobite. Yes, fossil. Yeah, there you go. a Fossil. It's like, you know, hundred or two hundred forty million years old or something. So gemstones are amazing. Can't see through it.
1: It's, it's not transparent at all. Can't wear it on your head. You tend to be a Klingon. Diamonds are amazing. They're really good diagnostic tools of geology. But by God, stop spending so much money on a diamond. If you want a diamond, fine. Whatever, cool. Enjoy your diamond. I, I'm not here to yuck your yum. But don't fall in the trap that you have to spend so much money on a diamond. They're not worth it. They're worth nothing. If you if you buy a car and you're like, well, I'm not going to buy a new car because the value drops by one third the moment you drive the lot. Don't buy a diamond. It wasn't worth the five thousand dollars you spent it, even when you spent it on that. You can't you won't be able to sell it for five thousand bucks. You will not get that back. It only magical, you know, like the, the Pink Panther Diamond or the you know, like the whatever these massive big gems are. They're special ones and they have a story. That's it. Everything else is nonsense. I am Lugash, the,
0: I have spoken. They are the NFTs of the geologic world. <laughs> I am very excited, Gregoire, about getting a new soda machine. Ooh. Mine was thrown out after the flood, and I want a new one. Now, a soda machine, you know, injects carbon dioxide into your water so that it becomes nice and fizzy. Ugh, fizzy water. I don't get it. Love it. I don't get it. I do not understand it. In Australia, we call this soda water, mm. but in the US, they call it sparkling water. <laughs> so you have a high-pressure canister inside the device. Mm. It runs out of CO2 gas and you can replace it with a full one at the grocery store. <laughs> Except now you can't, <gasps> Gregoire. My local grocery store doesn't do this anymore. Uh, it's, it's political correctness gone mad. I have to go to like, I have to go to a special place to get it. Now I can pay 35 bucks for the initial canister and 20 bucks to refill it with carbon dioxide. Right. Now, this works out to be about 75 cents a litre. That's barely cheaper than buying it pre-fizzed at the supermarket. I thought, I bet there's a cheaper way to do this. Just breathe into the container really hard.
1: (gasps) (gasps) And catch it in there.
0: That might work. That might work. (laughs) There. Yeah, I'm making my own CO2. I don't want to pay 20 bucks to someone else. That's right. You're not a sucker you no, machine. I'm an exhaler. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so there are off-brand 600 mil canister refills, but they're still like $15 a pop mm. for gas. Mm. Mm. Do you know how little mass that is? Feels like extortion, Gregoire. No, it's, 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 yeah. Well, turns out there's another way to buy food-safe carbon dioxide. As a solid. <laughs> okay. If you get a cup of dry mm. ice, it will sublimate into quite a large volume mm. of carbon dioxide. Really yeah, will. That's what it is. Yep, yep. There is an online community of people who are taking their Soda Stream refills <laughs> apart and filling them by hand with dry ice powder. God. Of course, Gregoire, mm. the dry ice is very cold, and you can burn yourself oh, quite badly. I have done so in in my jobs. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And this is then combined with high pressures. Mm -hmm. But here's the cool part, Gregoire. No one can stop you. It's not illegal. And the only person who you can hurt is yourself and the people around you. Also, you can do
1: the maths. You could say, because PV equals NRT. So pressure times volume equals the, the ratio times the... No, wait the number of moles by the ratio by temperature. So you can actually calculate the volume of the, well, you know the volume of your container and you can work out the pressure you want it to go to. Therefore, you know how many moles of carbon dioxide you need to put in as long as you keep it a certain temperature. And therefore you can, for number of moles, get number of grams of dry ice and put it in there and it
0: won't explode. Math, baby! I like the way they say you can do the maths, and you're talking to me. Well, you can. I, it's I but it's not hard. Really it's nice. not.
1: Uh, it's not. In this case, it's not a complicated thing. It's literally a, quite a simple equation. You just have to look up a few of those things. That's all that. I'm not going to disabuse you
0: of the notion <laughs> that you think I can do the but maths. You
1: can do it. You can. This is. I, I'm not a chemistry guy, even. I can do that one. That's yeah. In fact, you wouldn't have to even worry about. No, you would, because you know, you're changing the number of moles. Because your P and your V are going to be the same. Your moles are changing. Your temperature is going to be the same. There's a lot of things that get cancelled out here. This is going to be great. Oh, I, I want to do this. I want to do it my way now. Anyway, after
0: this podcast, well, we're going to try and do it mathematically. There you go. Not right now. Well, when I say no one can stop you, it turns out that's not quite true. Oh dear. Turns out my wife could <laughs> find out about this and stop you. Thank God she so ever listens to this podcast. Ever. So I won't be refilling my canisters with tri-ice, but I have found a cool solution. Ooh. Now, when you're brewing beer, the yeast eats (laughs) up sugars and turns them into alcohol and carbon dioxide. This is where the fizziness comes Mm. from. But you can also brew beer and let the fizz go and then carbonate it afterwards in a big keg. These require big canisters of food-grade CO2. So I can buy one of these 5 or (laughs) 10-litre tanks, I could run it straight to the soda machine, Mm. and that could be a little unsightly. Instead, I can use the big tank to refill the little tank. Mm. And when that big tank runs out, I can duck up to my local brew store and refill the tank for a fraction of what the official replacements cost per litre. And no one has to die from exploded fingers. Yeah, you, well, the, the people who have like a giant, like a six-foot tank mm. and they just wire it straight up mm. the, to the container, the thing about gas is that they've got like a really good valve on top. Mm. The thing about soda streams is they've got kind of a cheesy mm. valve and if you leave that gas on all the time and there's a leak, then you've got several thousands <laughs> cubic metres oh of a gas that will kill yes. you. If it fills your house, and it's heavier
1: than air, so it's it, heavier than and air, it will go. So it will settle
0: down. And if you don't have, like, mm-hmm, yeah, that, yeah, don't, don't do it. If you've made your apartment airtight and you've just got a big pool of algae in the middle, <laughs> then you could be in some real trouble here. All these websites where people are like, oh yeah, I've done this, and I've done this, and then someone's like, hey, uh, make sure you turn that. Off every single time you use it because you might give yourself carbon dioxide poisoning and die. P.S. I'm an anesthesiologist. Exactly. Anesthesiologist. Someone who does an anesthesiologist? Anesthologist? Anesthesiologist? That Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. So when you've got too much carbon dioxide, it's like take deep breaths, try to get as much air as possible. But also, I know that there were people who went into balloons, like helium balloons. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, and they they had to go in to fix something, and they didn't realise that they were they didn't have any oxygen yeah. because there wasn't the build-up of carbon dioxide. I mean, helium balloons are dangerous too because people, you, the whole sucking it
1: out of a balloon, yes, you can actually pass out from that, strange enough, because mm. you don't have oxygen. You're filling your lungs full of you know helium, which is not your soul, and, you, and, but, and nitrogen. But you, don't feel, so.
0: but you don't feel thirsty for air. Yes,
1: ah, okay.
0: Yeah. Helium's okay because it goes up. Yes. So yes. It, it will go up and displace. But it's the, the real danger is the one which makes your voice go down. Oh, yes, yes. the Yes. Because I, it's heavier. I don't remember which one it is because it's heavier than air. So it just fills up your lungs, but you're not thirsty for air and you just pass out. So hopefully when you fall on the floor unconscious, it runs out oh, your gosh. mouth. And, yes. And it, but, and it does actually behave like a fluid. I've seen seen like, yeah, it, run, it it's very
1: weirdly like a fluid you can't see like a magic trick.
0: Oh, like the little alpha boat yes. that sits yeah, on top. It's yeah, it's very, very
1: weird. You're like, oof, yeah. and you can't see it there, but you can see it. the, the effect. is obviously waving. Like, Yeah,
0: it's very, very strange. I think, it was, I think that was Mythbusters a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, l- lack of oxygen just makes you dizzy, I think. Refilling the little bottle from the big bottle is also kind of cool, because I was imagining that the big tank would just equalise pressure to the small tank so that the pressure in the big tank drops the pressure in the small tank. Increases the pressure in the small tank. Yeah, that it wouldn't work very well Mm. to do that. What you do is you attach the little tank to the big tank and you turn the whole thing upside down Mm. because the carbon dioxide is under more than five atmospheres of pressure, which allows it to remain liquid. Ah. So the low-density gas in the small tank floats to the top of the unit, which is the upside-down end of the big tank, and all the dense CO2 liquid runs into the small canister. So you still get nice full pressure tanks until almost the very mm. end because you're just getting all the high-pressure liquid carbon dioxide into the bottom bed. That's quite clever. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. And because the big tank is only required for refilling, I can keep it outside the home where it will do minimum damage if it rapidly decompresses, which I have assured my wife is probably impossible. <laughs> How much do you have to worry about expansions due to heat? I mean these these tanks are heat up all the time mm. all over the world. Mm. Like that, these tanks are made to contain this. Yeah, stuff. as long as
1: as long as it is meant to sit outside in the sun, direct sunlight. That's a different thing. So yeah. just look
0: into that. It
1: may not be built for outside
0: use. Uh, it may be. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. But then, the, but people use welding stuff in like hot sheds. Oh, of course. All oh the time. yes. If like if I put it in a little yeah. thing like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm just wondering, yeah, just, just check to make
1: sure that it's rated for that environment because yes. it would are very badly wrong otherwise. Yeah. In my day job, I am an educator and I do a lot of science communication and I talk to students and I talk to other science educators and I talk to teachers, and I talk to the public. And so it's always getting different sort of views on, on education and what's going on in the education space. So I always sort of... Trying to learn, because it keeps changing, like what we're doing and how we should teach and you know, don't hit the kids, et cetera, et cetera. Like all these new, exciting ideas. Like That's sort the of stuff. Stop calling little Johnny a little bastard. Like They don't like it, et cetera, et cetera. Always trying to learn new things. I had a conversation with some education professionals only yesterday. I was at a conference and yeah. chatting about something called growth mindset. And if you're an educator, you would have heard the concept of growth mindset before. Growth mindset is the idea that you don't have an intrinsic intelligence or in- intrinsic levels of skill you can work on your growth of your skills they're, they're things you can work on you you can't you shouldn't just say you I'm bad at maths
0: like well yeah no, you can work on your- anyone can get good at maths by learning. Maths. Yes. Some people say, I don't have a maths Exactly. Brain. Yes. There it is. There it is. So that's, that's a big, so growth mindset is the idea that you can actually increase
1: your efficacy in an area by working on it. You have that ability and it comes down to self language. So you don't say things like, I'm bad at maths. I'm not good at maths. You can say,
0: I'm not good at maths yet. That's mm. changing the idea. Uh, you know, like, Oh, and this sort of comes into the research about priming people. Yes,
1: yes exactly. And, positive and, psychology. And
0: thinking po- yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Dan, talk right over there. Sorry, you're about to say positive psychology. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what I was about to say. That was the phrase I was about to say. So it's a big thing. It's, it, and it's a really
1: good way of teaching and not, not going, that kid's dumb. That kid just hasn't had the opportunities. And really, everyone's quite close on the bell curve, even if you think you're an absolute genius. There are some pretty clever people, but you're probably not one of them. And you're probably in. I am. You're probably in the bell curve, I am, like
0: everyone else. Uh, I'm right up the top of that bell curve. Sure, I did a test and everything. You did a test. Yes, right. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm in Mensa, which has no flaws in its way of the, how it picks people. <laughs> so I had this conversation, which really surprised me.
1: So I want, I want to run it past you, Dan, and the listeners as well. So we're talking yep. about the growth mindset, and I was talking about something called strength-based mm-hmm. learning, which you don't need to go into right now, except the idea of strength-based learning is that you should teach people to their strengths. And not focus on their weaknesses doesn't mean not only learn th- only teach them things they're good at. It means focus on what they're good at to help them learn other things, so they don't get discouraged. So that's that's a mm. thing. Okay, that's a not a new idea, but it's coming more into education now. I had a, a teacher say to me, "Yes, it's telling students you know, you're not. It's not that you're not good at math. You're not good at math yet." This teacher said to me, "There are certain things that you're just not going to be good at." And you have to acknowledge that with a student. Otherwise, they will bang their head against the wall forever and never get good at it. And it'll be really frustrating. So you have to acknowledge that some students can't get, with well, some people, not students, people can't get good at certain things. And I, it put me back on my heel because my first response was, no, that's not true. I went, that's just not true. That's just, no. I, I was in a conference of, of you know, many people and, and mm. suddenly came out of PATA and was like, Oh no, I need to shut this down. And but I was really intrigued by this concept. So here's my take on it. I think that's nonsense. Yes. Yeah. I think that's total nonsense. Okay. I think that you can become good at
0: anything. You may not be the best in the world. Don't you know, that's that's a whole thing. Hmm. Only one person can be the best in exactly. the world. Exactly. And it's probably not going to be you. But but the people who work at, say, pastels, making pictures with mm. pastels are going to be almost totally in the top fifty yes. percent of everyone. When it comes to doing pictures of pets, exactly. There you go. So I just disagree, and I think, and I went, well, I, I, I went, I've never found a
1: skill that I couldn't learn. And a wide range of skills. Now that doesn't mean I'm good at every skill. What it means is I didn't have intrinsic interest in something. So for example, cooking. I'm, until quite recently, I had zero interest in cooking and it wasn't because I'm dumb. Or it wasn't because I, it's just because I didn't want to spend the time getting good at it because I just didn't see the value to it. Now that I see a bit more value to it for lots of weird reasons, I am a better cook than I was two years ago. I picked up these skills and there's a definite improvement. Now, will I be the best cook in the world? No, but I'm, I can get pretty good. And I don't, I don't, that's my standpoint. I disagree that there are some things that you can't learn. She kept saying coding. Oh, I, I tried to learn coding and I really, and I love technology. She's not a technology phobe, this person, that they, they just didn't want to, they said, but I cannot do coding. So I have to acknowledge I'm not good at it. And I went, you're not good at it yet. Anyway, so that's, that there's my, there's my take on it.
0: Mm. I'll stop speaking. How, what's your, what's your feeling on this? First thing that occurs to me is that you might have some uh, cognitive bias because when I'm presented with a something that you could do, an activity or something that you could be good or bad at, I tend to be of the assumption that I will probably be good at this. Mm. And if I really like doing it, I will get very good at Mm. it. And then I acknowledge that I suck at laser tag. Like, I suck at it. Like, I... Like and not even because I'm bad at anything else related to it. Like I can play first shooter games, I can do paintball. For some reason, laser tag, I I, I waddle around like a toddler. I just can't. And I can't figure out why I'm not awesome at it from the very beginning. <laughs> okay. Yep. And and I'm like, oh, well, then I'm just bad at laser hmm. tag. I suck at laser tag. I'm, I don't, I will never be good at hmm. laser tag. But on some level, I'm like, no, 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 Dan. That's just a like delightful little bit of hyperbole and stuff. And you just don't want to do it again because you don't want to be bad at something that everyone's good at. Hmm. But if I practiced it, if I did it twice a hmm. week for two years, I'd be amazing <sighs> at it. When I was younger, I was like, Oh, I'm not a dancer. Mm. Like, I'm not, I'm the complete opposite of that. And then I just did hip hop dancing for a Mm. year and I got competent at dancing. You did. We mocked you You a lot,
1: but you, that was just because you could do something we couldn't do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I am of the mindset that if I want to do something, then all I have to do is practice Mm. it and I will get good at it. But, and and that's, but, which is, which is where we're both Mm. coming Mm -hmm. from. But I also recognize that maybe there's a cognitive bias there that I am a very lucky individual who not only can learn stuff but loves learning stuff. Mm. And that part of that is not just the nature of humans but could indeed be my – like a physical thing in my brain. My, maybe my brain is particularly adept at this because my I've got a – I've got a, a parent who's a doctor and I have an upbringing where I had lots of nutrition and stuff. Mm. And that some people's brains, like some people's physiology only lends them to a certain amount of ability when it comes to learning things. And so maybe there is a bias that we're having where we're surrounded by people who are competent and successful at doing stuff. And we ju- we're just not associating with people who do not have the capability to learn, but I think that everyone should be treated like they can learn everything because you you do not inspire a joy of learning in people by telling them that they can't do something. Yes,
1: I I, I just want to acknowledge, I just want to unpack something you said before. There is no evidence of human brains being different like that. There's Maybe there hasn't been a study. A lack of a study doesn't mean... Lack of evidence doesn't mean evidence of lack. You know, that's that sort of, that's the right term? As in, it may be, but I don't think there's been any work on that or uh, there's never been a study on that. I think human brains, humans are very, 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 very similar genetically. Like we're ludicrously, we're almost clones of each other. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. I don't, I feel, this is just a feeling that there wouldn't be any fundamental differences in people's brains, but that's just that's well, that's just my bias, maybe. That's just maybe my bias. Like, yeah. I accept that. But can I? You made a comment before about there's a joy of learning and an opportunity. So sometimes you meet someone, you go, oh, "What a what a drop shit." Drop shit, drop kick. What? What a dead shit! And you go when you look into Hmm. their life. Actually, start off with they're probably not a dead shit. They're probably really interesting in a certain way. They're just you've met them in a weird situation or something that you don't find interesting. But or you know a a situation where it isn't about you're trying to share ideas. It could just be an aggressive encounter. (laughs) That person probably normally from, from an educator's point of view, normally I go, that person just didn't have the opportunities I had. And I don't come from a rich family. I don't even mean money, but money's a big thing. But p- parents who went, you will learn that all we're going to teach, you, you know, don't end up like us being laborers. We want you to go and be a knowledge worker. They didn't use that term. That's what they wanted. And so when I look at some people who didn't have the opportunities, I go, if you have generations of people who go, you're a dead shit from a long line of dead shits, guess what? You think you're a dead shit. Mm. But if you were taken out of it and you were given a Pygmalion-like makeover, you know, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. By George, he's got it. Then you, strangely enough, you're going to bloody thrive if someone gave you the opportunities. Now, here's here's my extreme version of that. Here's my extreme version. Mm. If I took that person I'm talking about, I didn't say this because I didn't want to get arrested, but I went, uh, here's my thought process. That person, that, that educator, I can't do coding. I know that person has children. So here's my thought experiment. I'm going to capture that person's children and put guns to their head and take them away and go, you will never see your children again. And they're going to die horrifically in six months time, unless you can pass this level of attainment. Make it reasonable, and then I'll release them back to you. Are they honestly going to go? Well, no. I'm sorry, I can't possibly. I'm I'm bad at coding. They may think it. I think that the if thats an extrinsic outside factor. If they can't find it intrinsically, then an extrinsic factor could force it, and I would prove my point if I did this terrible experiment. They could learn it if the reasons for learning it were high enough that they had to learn it.
0: But what if they wanted to be a veterinarian, but it was just too hard? And they ended up just working at a convenience True. store. yeah,
1: yeah. And lived in some shitty mm-hmm. corner apartment and now was going to die on their knees in the back of a
0: car park. Yeah. Every time you're like, maybe I should do this thing from Fight Club, maybe take a step back and just have a bit more of a global <laughs> I, global it, idea it's, about it. This,
1: this intrin- <laughs> to, to unpack the madness for a moment, there's intrinsic... As an educator, I sometimes people say, "Oh, I'm going to." I've seen it before. I, I, I'll, I'll give you a story from my childhood. Grade twelve, last year of school, so senior year of school, discovered that everyone, a lot of people I knew were were getting a give stuff. Their parents are like, oh my goodness, if you get this level of attainment, I'm going to give you a thing. So we're going to take you on a holiday. We're going to buy you the dress you wanted. We're going to give you a car. There was all this stuff, right? I remember the big conversation and people are like, what are you going to get, Greg? And I was like, what is going on? Like, this is not a, what? And they're like, oh my goodness. And so I went home. I was like, that's exciting. So I chatted up, ran, hey parents, you know, I'd like here's this cool idea. You know, I'm doing well at school. Like, yes, you are. We're coming up to our final, you know, last six months of of high school. Yep. So if I do straight A's, if I get straight A's, then I would like a car. What's your, you know, what's your counter offer kind of thing? Well, what's your, how do you think about that? My father being my father said, well, here's a counter offer. How about if you don't get straight A's, I kick your ass up and down the street because I know you can get straight A's. And I went, ah, understood, and left the room. And it was said in a way, it was said in love, this child abuse, but mm. it was...
0: I was thinking uh, carrot is like, how yeah. about stick? stick? Yeah, <laughs> and because I was also doing well. They're like... Because that that is kind of blackmail. Yeah. That's like, I'm doing real well, but I can fuck yeah. my yeah. life up if you don't get me a yeah, car. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah. tell you yeah, what. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger on that gun. Like, they don't even need the stick. Yeah. It's like... Just get lower grades and then you'll end up digging a ditch yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Well it's I was too stupid to realise that. How on earth were you getting these A's then? Obviously none of the subjects were basic negotiation skills. <laughs> no. no that no, unfortunately not. I haven't I haven't
1: studied that yet. I just that's if you have to teach intrinsic value to learning or an intrinsic value to learning can be really hard if you don't give a crap about something. So if you said to me, Greg, learn to be a hip hop dancer, I'd be like, I have no intrinsic interest in doing it. So you'd have to give me an extrinsic reason, like you pay me money or would, you know, whatever the reason is, but intrinsic reasons work better. And I, I, so I, to go back to what we we're talking originally, I just think the problem in inverted commas is finding the intrinsic value to it. So when someone says they can't do something or, they're bad at coding, painting pastel flowers, whatever. It's more they don't have an intrinsic
0: value or they don't have they don't have something to push them to do it. I guess my big counter is that human brains, normal human brains are very normal, but they're a outlier of brains. Course. And some of them may not be able to learn certain things in the same way that some of them can't see certain colours. Oh, but that's not a brain thing. That's, so, a, that's an eye cone thing. Thank you very much. So are you saying that the physiology of eyes is different to the physiology of brains? It's all just meat and electricity. Well, technically it's also part of the brain.
1: Um, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm not going to – I've decided I'm not going to well, – but you know where I stand. You, you've heard listeners – I'm talking to listeners here. you heard where I stand, yep. listeners – You've heard what Dan, what Dan has said. I'm really interested in our listeners' take on this. I'm all over the world, whether you're an educator or not, whether you have been educated or you're living as a wild mm-hmm. person in some amazing country, how are you listening? Welcome. I hope you're doing well. I'd love to hear your take on this. Can Is there things that you believe you cannot learn and never can learn? And is it built into you? Do you have a mm. ceiling of skill and ability in certain areas? Or is it just that you don't have the interest in learning it or the,
0: the reasoning to learn it? And maybe not just you, maybe your entire race. Send emails to oh, greg at smartenoff.org. Dan. Bess. Please get in contact with the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the audience, pick us up out of our doldrums <laughs> and and illuminate us with the actual knowledge. I, I love it.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I learn so much from this.
0: Uh, Jess tells me that I messed up my French while discussing the famous painting C'est Ce n'est pas une pipe. Yes. Or This Is Not mm. a Pipe. I called it Ce n'est ne pas une pipe, which is It Is Not mm. a Pipe. Just slightly different And I also tried to work it into a This is not piped gag But that was like this trans language joke With too many moving parts To be both correct and funny At the same time uh, he, he was shooting um, from a loon. <laughs> To say that this is not piped I could have said Ce n'est pas la Or canilisation Or this is not filled with canals, Canals Tiny canals like can, canalisation is like the piping right. that you do between, like the big pipes and yep. stuff. Like that makes ah, sense. Ah, stuff, but it's also the little yeah. pipes that connect to your toilets sure. and stuff. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, this joke, which I was trez proud of, crumbles under the eagle eyes slash ears of our mm-hmm. listeners. So thank you very much, Jess. So
1: Andy writes in and says, "In episode two hundred four, and Dan says we orbit around the
0: sun." Firstly, shouldn't that be Chad? True, true. true. Earth famously has a yes. sun that is not named by the International Astronomical mm-hmm. Union, and we went out, we discovered mm-hmm. it, we named mm-hmm. it Chad. They are dragging their well, feet. They, they wrote, they, about- you wrote
1: them a letter, and they wrote back saying, if you can get enough people to uh, back you up on that, then
0: that's fine. But at the moment, it's just what everyone says it is. So it's what, yeah. Well, they they didn't say that they would agree even if that oh. happened. But if we can get enough yeah. people, then coming <laughs> true.
1: True. All right. But then he starts talking about Barry centers. So secondly, Earth and the other planets in the solar system orbit the center of mass of the, of the planet and Chad, a point known as the Barry center, which is actually very true. So when you think of a Barry center, if you have two people who are hold, holding, hands and holding hands, holding hands, if they're roughly the same mass, then of course it'll be at the center. But if you have a really, really, really big person, a little tiny person, they probably, the big person probably isn't moving very much. And the little person's spinning around, them. but they
0: still move, they move a, little a little bit. bit. Still got exactly. A, so the center of gravity is at the front of them, rather yes, than yes. And middle so you have them. to
1: adjust your position if you're spinning a child compared to if you were spinning another adult around you. That's because your barry center, your your in that case your um your center of balance is probably shifted forwards or backwards if it's a smaller mass closer to you. All right, so yeah. Okay. Although, this is still the email. Although, for most planets in our solar system, this point is beneath the surface of Chad, for Jupiter is either very close to or actually above the surface of Chad. There's some contention about this. However, if there is a conjunction of the four great planets, the barycenter would, for a short period, be thousands of kilometers of Chad's surface. All right.
0: Wow. Now. Oh, so,
1: Jupiter and. Sat- Saturn, Chad. Uranus, and Neptune. So, the four giant planets. That- also, Neptune. Well, they're all giants, yes. They're all pretty big. They're pretty big. 30.
0: Jupiter well, Jupiter's bigger than oh, Uranus.
1: Jupiter makes up, except for if you put all the mass of all the other planets together and every other rock and gas in our solar system, not the sun, they'd all be smaller than Jupiter. That's counting Saturn. So yeah, Jupiter is huge, 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 huge. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now
1: I looked into this because I was like, "That's really interesting." Yes, I knew the Barry Center. You know, the and, and sorry, down the bottom. Andy says the resulting wobble that this orbiting orbiting of a planet around a star has been used by NASA to discover exoplanets, planets outside of the.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so that's
1: how you do. You that. You find a big planet, and they keep finding ones that are really close, like big Jupiters, hot Jupiters, are really close because it's wobbling the star, and of course it moves the light back and forth, and you, it red shifts and blue shifts it, and you can calculate there's something there that's wobbling this star, and you you can you can mm. work out it's it's one way of doing it anyway. So I did some maths, uh, actually looked into this and yep. you were talking about we orbit around Chad. So why mm. we Earth? Well, yep. Earth is so small compared to the Sun. The barycenter center of the Sun small.
0: No, I'm looking at it now. It's
1: massive. <laughs> just close. I can't
0: even see the whole thing. It's
1: just close now. It's just it's real flat. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> So the barycenter of the sun and Earth is basically at the center of the sun. It almost doesn't move. The Earth would not move where it is yep. in its position yep. and how small it is. It wouldn't it, nothing at all. I, I don't think oh. we're like a
0: biker whipping a toddler. Around. Yeah, even smaller than that. Yeah, it's crazy how small the Earth a is. A baby by, the, by its leg. It,
1: it would be like I think it would be more like a biker spinning a baby's head, like just the head. Such a good metaphor. Thank, thank, thank you. you, thank you. thank uh, you. Even smaller, I'm thinking small. It doesn't matter. Point of this is definitely inside the sun. It's so no, we are orbiting around the sun still. Earth is definitely orbiting around the sun. That's in the barry yep. is inside the sun. So I can't give Andy that. But Jupiter, when I did the maths on Jupiter, and the radius of the sun is approximately seven hundred thousand kilometers, roughly, and the barry center of the sun and Jupiter, just Jupiter, not the other ones is a, is 46,000 kilometres above the surface of the sun. So that is, that's about four Earth's diameters from the surface of the sun, outside of the sun. So Jupiter and so the sun with- are actually rotating around a point that is, if they were the only two things, that would be outside the surface. So therefore they would be, the Jupiter is not
0: orbiting the sun, it's orbiting, in this case, it would be orbiting, they're both orbiting the same point. I'm about to ask a question that I realize indicates why three bodies orbiting is complex. Mm-hmm. But if Jupiter is pulling the sun out of its orbit, well, if Jupiter is pulling on the sun so that its bury point is outside mm-hmm. it and the Earth is going around mm-hmm. it, is it, And it would be being affected by both gravitational systems. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that sometimes its Barry point is going to be inside or outside the sun anyway, because Jupiter is pulling on it? Well done. So you've
1: absolutely hit on the next point. So I just went. this thing I just said was if Jupiter and the sun were the only things in the solar system, the Barry center would be 46,000 kilometers from the surface of the sun. So it'd be outside the sun. Therefore, they were going, but it's not. There are other things. Now, Andy did point out, like, oh, when they all line up, it's outside. Well, Jupiter can do it all by itself. It doesn't need the help of the other um, gas giants and ice giants to pull the barracks outside. Something mm-hmm. can do it all If they were all lined up on the same side, all the giants, it would just be further out. How much further? Well, that would be the end of civilization, right? <laughs> yes.
0: If all the planets are yeah, lined. That's,
1: well, yeah, it's happened, only happened a few times in the last, oh, uh, anyway. Yes. So, when the planets do line up, in the solar system, you thinking on a flat plane, they all kind of line up. Yes, the barycenter would be further out. But the barycenter of the solar system is dependent on the locations of all the planets. So depending on whether Jupiter is on one side and all the planets on the other side or where they all are, sometimes the barycenter of the solar system, the common point, can be outside of the sun and sometimes can be in the center of the sun. It it can move around because you've got Jupiter on one side, you've got the other planets pulling back the other way. You've got the Sun. You've got it. It can actually dip back inside, not center of the Sun. It wouldn't go to the center of the Sun, but it can actually dip back inside to the surface of the Sun. So sometimes we are, so we are technically are as a solar system orbiting the Sun, though sometimes the barry center
0: we are not because the barry center is outside of the Sun. <laughs> Ouch! And then. Thank God that the solar system is like static in space and it's not like orbiting anything else or traveling well, it's, through space. Well, it is. traveling around the galaxy. There's a center of, of the
1: galaxy as well. Oh, God, no. No. And, 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 oh, and, no. And also it's not, it's, it's not even static in the solar system. It's reached the levels of equilibrium. So that, you know, there's certain every two to three relationship. I think it's Venus and Earth. So every two orbits of the sun. Oh, maybe I may be wrong here. Two orbits of the sun Venus does. Earth does three. So it's like two to three relations. There's, there's this equilibrium that's so always... Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's... Yes, these e- beautiful equilibriums have all set themselves up gravitationally. Stops it flicking each other out. But of course, nothing is forever and things start to wobble and change. Our planets can leave. You get the three-body problem you alluded to before. We've got eight major ones and millions and millions of little tiny ones. Shit gets
0: thrown everywhere all the time. The more massive... It- and like a supermassive black hole over there... In the in the middle yes, of the but, Milky Way, but that
1: almost has zero impact because gravity drops down with the square, just di- the square distance, and it's a long way but away. But it still
0: keeps us in it. No, 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 no. We talked about this last time. I remember it doesn't. It doesn't. It's but but the, the, the mass the, the, of the, the galaxy, the mass of the rest of the yes. galaxy, yes. So there's a Barry point between us and the rest of the galaxy yes. too. Well, yes, we're all orbiting the galaxy's Barry point. Now, the Barry centre. So the, what's interesting about
1: that, of course, is it's not just the matter we see, it's also the dark matter, which we had Professor Quinn talk about, which is ten times the amount of mass, this big cloud of mass that holds, it's like the cookie dough that holds the matter that we understand as matter together. So it's all orbiting around a center. The supermassive black hole has sunk down to the center where things sink down to that are more massive. But it is only—I'm going to say one percent—and I think that's correct. The supermassive black hole in our, in our galaxy, Sagittarius A star, is about one percent of the mass of everything else of the visible matter. I don't even think that's counting the dark matter. Now I think about it. Anyway, it's—it's it's not holding us here. Everything is holding us but, here. But, but,
0: the, but then the mass of the galaxy yes. is pulling on Jupiter a little bit. Yes. And so it's pulling on Jupiter a little bit when it's closer to the that yes. side of the sun than yes. the other side...
1: But it's tiny. Oh, this is- yeah, but it's tiny. And that's right. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. Oh, Lord. It's, and that, But that's why things can change because you, you get these pertur- perturberations in it that change over time and it builds up. You get a little kick of energy over certain periods of time. It goes round once. It lines up in a certain way. Kick, a little bit more energy and it throws a little bit further out. And in the end, suddenly Phobos and Deimos, Mars goes by and just takes off. It, it can happen. These things can happen. Unlikely, but they can happen. Anyway, amazing walk of shame from... Andy. Yes, we earth um we do we do orbit the sun and the earth does orbit Chad, absolutely, but the solar system sometimes orbits the barycenter of the solar system is outside the sun and sometimes it is inside the surface of the sun. So sometimes we, as in the solar system, orbits the sun and sometimes we don't. Whoever said physics is easy can go to buggery. It's it gets complicated,
0: baby. But what do you do need to add to the solar system to change its colour? Another Andy, or the same Andy, Andy Trousdale, uh, sent another walk of shame to me. Uh, You said, imagine the Earth is a perfect billiard ball, which it kind of is. Mm. Very flat, Mm. actually. Mm. And he's disappointed that you would believe in a flat (laughs) Earth. Smooth. I meant smooth. You're absolutely right. So I guess you should have said that you believe in a smooth Earth rather than a flat (laughs) one. But I think it comes down to context. The Earth is a ball in space. But it's also a soup of dense atoms. Mm -hmm. Or it's an imperceptible dot too far for the eye. (laughs) It's also a temporary form bubbling and seething between the primordial gas cloud and a totally dispersed cloud of atoms. It's just how you look at it. We humans tend not to interact with the Earth as a ball. Mm. From a human's point of view, it is flat. Because wherever we walk, down is still straight down. But I'm walking on a surface that repeats no matter which direction I walk, if I walk for long enough. It's a surface that allows me to make three right-angle turns to describe a 3,000-kilometer triangle arriving back where I started. I don't even have to make the final turn. (laughs) So, yeah, the world is flat, and it's round, and it has an infinite diameter, and it's mostly not there. True. True. Now, of course, while the surface of the Earth is even smoother than a billiard ball when shrunk down, that's also not how human beings interact with it. Earth isn't smooth at all. It's full of pointy bits and deep bits. On top of that, the adage that the Earth is smoother than a cue ball when shrunk down is not true. The variance in diameter of a cue ball, an official cue ball, must be less than 0.127 millimetres, which means that if the side-to-side measurement is larger than the top-to-bottom measurement, then it's not regulation. Mm-hmm. But if the surface of the cubicle varied by that amount all over, you could tell it would feel like the very finest fine grain sandpaper mm-hmm. and you could make out the tallest mountains just using touch because mm-hmm. human fingers are really sensitive. Mm-hmm. So for all of our talk about how Earth is an oblate spheroid, it doesn't distort enough to fall outside the cue ball regulations. So it's as round as a cue ball, but it's not as smooth as a cue ball. A, so,
1: all right, so if you scale the cue ball up to Earth's size, it wouldn't have mountains yep. as tall
0: as Mount Everest. Or it put, No, ah, no. Ah. The difference in diameter between the largest distance from the middle and the smallest distance from the middle yeah. would be the same distance as... The deepest ocean of the world and the highest mountain. Yes, but it's but the Earth is like covered in like pointy bits and like like it's not a smooth surface. So hang on, so it's hang on, like, so 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 it is. So that so it is. What you're saying is that Im- imagine it, an Earth. Yes, where on on one point of the Earth it was as deep as the Mariana Trench. Yes, and on the opposite side of the Earth. Or uh, on the yeah hmm. or, uh, on the I? right yep. angle of the earth, yeah. it was as tall as the highest mountain, yep. but everything in between was like just very gradual.
1: But it, but but it it would it be an acceptable cue ball if those as long as you had the tallest one, and the deepest one, and everything else was smaller, that would be an acceptable cue ball. Yes, a, a cue ball sized. So that point zero one or whatever that number was, you could make a cue ball that was spiky and be an acceptable it cue ball. St-
0: it would still be accept an acceptable cue ball, but yes. cue aren't rough. But, but they don't have vi- yeah, I, I they know what don't have. have localized variation. No, no. like it, yeah, you could make a cue ball that felt like fine sandpaper. Now I want. And they would have to, to let I you want play to.
1: with it. I, w- I want to make a billiard ball that is legal. An earth ball. An earth ball. Earth, earth billiard ball that is legal. That you can play billiards with it, but and also when you felt it, you, as you say, maybe you'd feel the mountains and the valleys. The, you, your, the, your fingers would pick up on it. Yes. I, yeah. I really, I'm, I'm intrigued now if someone's done, surely someone's done the internet's full of amazing people. I need to find this out. I know what you're saying. A billiard ball on, on average won't have a, the levels of ups and downsy bits that the earth
0: has, but it still could billiard ball. I mean, it could, but it's not, it's not as smooth as a billiard ball, it's as round as a billiard ball but it can, it is as smooth as a billy ball because it doesn't have anything high or smaller. Because smoothness, smoothness is, is not... It's spikiness uh, per uh, square centimetre or something. Yeah. Well, a cue ball has a gra- that's a gradual incline. Yes. The Earth has, like, all these pointy bits and deep bits.
1: So is it as smooth as Mars, then, with Olympus Mons riding gradually out of the, out of the uh, surface and the Marianas Trench being one big gouge? Admittedly, if you looked down at your cue ball and you saw a dirty great nick in the side of it, you probably wouldn't use it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
1: But is it legal to use uh, a Martian cue ball? No.
0: Ah, no. oh, I, Ven- I. Oh, I want this. Made. Venus. Venus is as smooth as a cue ball. Yes,
1: yes. It resurfaces itself catastrophically every half a billion years, yes, something like that. So, yeah, okay. Oh, I want to make an Earth cue ball. I really do. I, oh, how would we do that? Why not? But why not make a
0: planetary billiard set? Like every <laughs> single planet as smooth. Well, some of them are gas. The <laughs>
1: The terrestrials. Mercury you wouldn't notice particularly because it's not very mountainous. Venus is flat, pretty flat. Earth, Mar- Mars.
0: Jupiter Surely Saturn. Earth is
1: the most bumpy one. It has a lot of weather. Mars yeah. has some. Mars has the biggest mountain in the solar system. Oh, Remember, yeah. Olympus Mons is three times higher than Everest and Mariana's Trench makes the Grand Canyon look like a joke, but I don't know if it makes, yeah. sorry, sorry, not Mariana's Trench, the Valais Mar- Mariana. Oh, I'll get that wrong. I think, but yes, I don't know how deep it is compared to the Mariana Trench. Oh, yeah, I looked that up. It's it big. It's very of, big.
0: It doesn't have as anywhere near as much erosion as a, no, no,
1: well, they, well, it's all eroded away. It's all rusted and gone and, yeah, it does have, I think it also does have up and downy, but it has mountains, it, the road, yeah. it has mountains all over the place and craters, craters as hell, the moon is cratered as hell and they are big craters like, with big spikes raising up to like 10 kilometers to the center. I, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know if it is the roughest terrestrial mm. body in our solar system. I, I'd be very the surprised moon if it would is. would be a great white ball. Yes, but those craters are huge, like the, the, yeah, the um, yeah. the, the, the mare, the sea, you can see them, the dark bits, the dark bits. They're huge craters. And we don't, and when you see like a crater, I'm looking at a picture right now. And when you see a crater, if you can see the crater, that's hundreds, if not thousands of kilometers across. And then you have a spike in the center where, where it all went bloop up and then solidified. That's not 10 meters off the ground at the center of the crater. That's hundreds of meters, if not, I'm going to go on a limb here, kilometers into the inverted commas air. It's, it's not air. The the exo also exo, uh, You would yeah. have to
0: consider whether this because you'd be scaling certain planets mm. down more rather than less. So Mercury yeah. may end up being rougher than Jupiter. Yeah, like yeah, Jupiter That's what you're saying be, because yeah. it's scaled hasn't scaled as much. Yeah, but the moon Absolutely. could be like really rough because it's tiny, but it, and it's all full of craters and well, stuff. It's bloody huge.
1: Like- yeah. Ludicrously. I know what you mean. But yeah, it's it's small to the earth. It's not that small. It's almost Martian size. It's insanely big. Oh, this is exciting. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I need to find out if someone's done this. But thank you, Andy. That's what an exciting thing to set us off on. You have
0: been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also Greg at smartenough.org. You could support the podcast by getting along to the website. Clapping. Doing the Yeah. Just clap. Woo! Yeah! Let's do it again! Yeah! On please don't do this while you're driving <laughs> <laughs> or doing surgery big thank you to our second tier patrons for their very kind donation a big thank you to matthew toy steve stewart ilana mitchell av greenberry matt ewers andrew potts andrew whitehurst grony maguire mariana scott andrew trowsdale britta Rogowski. Lindsay Jenkinson, Ivan, Joshua Devlin Moreno, and Liz Y, which Ooh. might be Elizabeth Yunkin, and she's just oh. rebranded, in oh, which case cool. I am on brand. Or right. Elizabeth Youngkin has abandoned us and been replaced by this Liz Y, in which case, top shelf, Liz Y. Maybe it's a li- lizard person. Lizard Y. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Next podcast. Ah, oh, she stopped forgiving us. Good on, Lizard Y. We have top-tier patrons, and they get insulted for their lovely and generous gifts of cash. (laughs) I have just gone through a major renovation, or at least my house has. Mm. You're Uh, still the the broken-down wreck you always have been. Yeah, yeah. These insults relate to the man-cresh crash is the building industry. (laughs) Joey Wesley... Uh, your insult isn't quite ready, but we'll be ready by the end of these insults. <laughs> Steve Eichenhout. I have very little tolerance. <laughs> Michael Kedar, The foundations of your insult have shifted and it would be dangerous to continue. Tom Siri, Your insult has uncovered some unexpected issues and it turns out you're going to have to pay extra for the completion of it. And finally, Joey Wesley. I didn't get to your insult, but it will definitely be ready for the next podcast. (laughs) Yes. And these are the patrons who make this house a home Eric Wilson, Michael Barnes, Morden O'Hare, Scott Driscoll, and Al Batson. Thank you all of you so much for your wonderful donations. And thank you to those people who are tier one members. You are equally as beloved. Absolutely. So if that's all you want, listeners, then just go for the tier one. <laughs> Greg and I did mention that we were going to be on a comedy panel show. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. And so that's on YouTube. So you can yeah. go to the website and that will be linked from the Smart ah. Enough website. And you can watch an hour and a half of Greg and I just riffing on a science panel show. It's a that's lark.
1: Right. I, here's a spoiler, I mime giving birth on stage
0: in front of people—that's where most birth happens. In front of at least one person, hopefully. Yeah. Merry Christmas! No, hang on. No, that's next one. If we can get there. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We'll, we'll do one more before then. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will. If we don't make Christmas, listeners, Merry <laughs> Christmas for this year. But we'll <laughs> probably get it out before Christmas. Well,
1: whatever holidays you're really into or not, uh, it's fun. It's a fun time of the year. Try and enjoy yourself at some level.
0: Yeah. Now I gotta duck off to drinks with some idiot. (laughs) And as we always like to say, I am that idiot. One of my greatest regrets is that I'm too late for online dating apps. Yeah. Like I was already married before they all turned up.
1: Oh, 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 hang on. Oh, oh, Dan. Oh, what a shame.
0: What a problem. I was happily married to a wonderful person. What a, my life is paid. (laughs) Oh, look, right, this is definitely the tiny bit of dark cloud amongst a gigantic silver lining. You just did the thing in a job interview where tell me your weaknesses, Dan. I'm married to a
1: wonderful woman who I share my life with. She's amazing and makes everything great for me. How is that a weakness? Yeah.
0: My co-workers get jealous of just how effective I am. <laughs> but I, I do wish that I could put, a like, a Tinder profile, which is like, uh, oh, I really like going for, like, long walks on the beach to second locations. Like... <laughs> You would probably, I think, you'd still score down. Unfortunately, yeah, I know. It's it's my that, greatest curse. <laughs> Can't still, keep the ladies away. No,
1: not what I mean. I mean, you can say that, and you'd have someone go, uh, "Well done!" Like the, the right person would pick up on that, and the, and also the wrong people. But yeah, I right bet there's person, a lot
0: of the wrong people there going, <laughs> "Oh, look, he's probably going to murder me, but I bet I can, I can change him." Oh, that's nice. At least I got goals. How that would backfire in my mind
1: is that you'd get murdered. But but um, <laughs> but 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 more but more likely the how it would backfire is that you'd get someone who was really into true crime and you'd have to go on the first date Oh no 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 that's just I'm just a funny guy. I, I've not even listened to one true crime thing. This is third or fourth hand information yeah. that I've just stolted yeah. a joke out of. I really don't want to hear about all your true crime podcasts yeah. and, and I don't care. I watched only murders in a building. It's fine. <laughs> you know, like it's it it's that's I, I, it. That's-
0: I had to actually stop my wife from telling me about the all the murder podcasts. Oh, yeah, no, I <laughs> Sorry, yes, I probably should have led with that. I am married. <laughs> And she is dead, though, so it's fine. Not by me.
1: Legally, I, I can say that. Not by me. <laughs> not by my hand. Hand. <laughs> anyway, we've walked a long way now. <laughs> this would be funny if it wasn't so also kind of tragic because yeah. we're two white dudes chatting, so it's fine. Oh, we're in no danger. Be- yeah, basically. We are the danger. I yeah, we the, the danger.
0: We're, we're, percei-
1: we're the perceived danger. We are the perceived danger.
0: Perceived danger, and rightly so. Uh, I've, I've known you for a long time, Dan. I... <laughs> and I can wrestle a woman, a little sure. woman. My good, uh, yeah, small, only a small one, small, so, feeble yeah. one. who has been a bit sick. <laughs> yeah, no, this this Tinder buyer writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about pronouns, and, and I was like, actually, I really like that scene because every character acted just like how they should have acted. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was a lovely little bit of sci-fi. The 15-year-old trans girl is, yeah. like, sort of needlessly yeah. noisy about that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then the doctor, like, listens to everyone mm-hmm. yeah, with a, with, a, with an aspect of kindness yeah. and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to you and take your advice and yeah. makes people feel heard. And I'm like, yeah. well, I, I, love, I love that both of these characters are acting like they should. And then for it to be like, oh, alien, how do you? And it's like, oh, my, my pronouns are completely different to humans, and that's yeah. a lovely sci-fi idea.
1: And then, and then it ties back to the doctor. A nice joke, joke from the doctor because I am, I am the definitive. I am always the Meep. Oh yeah, I do that too. Yeah, hey!
0: it's, I thought so, that was it was a brilliantly written yeah, saying. Yeah,
1: absolutely, what a great thing. The doctor is not the doctor's pronouns, or maybe the, maybe the doctor is the doctor's pronoun, but it's the doctor's chosen name. But it's not. A- He's not Mister Doctor.
0: He is not Mr. Which, doctor. Which He's... is, which? yeah, which is a pronoun. No. Or Dr. Doctor, yes. doctor, which is a pronoun, meaning you're that you're a man. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot transport this per, this person through time and space. This person is my son.
1: They're a Time Lord. The it, Time it's... Lord is a lady. <laughs> Doctor crashes into Scaro and Davros is there. Oh, when he knocks the claw off. Yes, yeah. And they yes, put so he put a plunge on Oh, I love it. And so Davros is ah, standing there looking like a Nazi. Ah, I'm a Nazi. Ah. It's very cute. It's very
0: chill. Yeah. I, I was I, like, I, that Nazi's been on Taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> was he? Who's he? The the other guy. The the, the, the Oh, yes. The, yes. The, he had, the yes. comedy second in command is, yes. was in like season two of Taskmaster. Yeah. Yeah. He's made it now. Ross Davis comes
1: out and says, oh, by the way, if you're in a wheelchair, we don't want to equate that with being evil. So therefore Davros is no longer going to be from now on. He's not going to be in a wheelchair. He never was in a wheelchair. We've rewritten him. That's Davros. It's same actor. And I went, he's not in a wheelchair. He, he was half Dalek. What? Hmm. Okay. But again, it's perception. Sure. Russell didn't really like, but I went, this is going to upset people. This is going to upset people. Like it doesn't matter. Whatever. But they're, you know, they've rewritten the canon. Davros doesn't have facial scars because that's differently abling as a, 49 year old man it it doesn't matter but obviously it must matter to someone so i'm like whatever i don't care Uh, but i thought it was a bit silly davros now and always has been a man walking around looking a bit sinister and dressed like a nazi (laughs) yeah was that just russell T Davies like trolling
0: i never know with him because he's he lies but he's also quite an earnest man he could be he could be trolling he could be it's just weird to think that like I, I always saw Davros working from a position of power, like he was on a throne. Oh, like, there you go. Yeah, like yeah. He, it was a mobile throne. The mm. notion that he was had, had to be in it because he was disabled well,
1: was—he's very disabled though. He's like, he got badly injured and, and installed into a into a TARDIS mobility unit. Yeah,
0: yes, but I didn't. I never saw that as a as a drop in stature. Like he no. was always. He, he, he sat there with, such, uh, with this sort of regal control over everything. Even, know, even horrifically
1: mutilated, he's still the guy in charge.
0: But when so. I was in a wheelchair, I was able to get out of it after a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, True. you know, yeah. maybe I don't know shit. It's
1: 2023. It's a family show. There are some things I don't think are important, but that's okay. And it doesn't have to be about me. And I'm just going to enjoy the parts I enjoy.
0: Ultimately, if Russell T Davies could just wave his hand and completely retcon stuff, I'm kinda on board for (laughs) reasons that should be apparent.